0: Dean's got a mom that's at home and that's had a stroke and stuff, and she would, you know, like to spend her time with her son out. And I think everybody should have a second chance, which in Dean's case, I don't think that Dean done it. But you can't find, I'm I'm telling y'all, y'all cannot find a person that is more touching and loving as what
1: Dean was. Welcome back, and thank you for joining me again this week for The Devil Came Knocking. The man you just heard is a man named Ernest, and he spent several years serving time with Dean at South Central Prison. You will hear more from him later in this episode, but as you can tell, Dean left a lasting impact on his life. On today's episode, I also have an interview with Sam Kantz, who is a teacher inside River Bend Prison. While Dean was there, I had more interviews planned this week. In fact, several of them. But due to circumstances out of my control, we had to cancel all but these two. I will elaborate on this in a future episode. I also want to announce that next week I will finally be releasing my interview with Karen Howe. Her story we're going to do a little different as I will have Karen on live to tell her life story next week. Then the following week, again, we will have her on to answer any questions you may have. I will only have maybe one or two more episodes after that, depending if any of the other of the six answer back. Natasha did finally answer me back, um, saying that she would grant me an interview, but wanted me to put money on her commissary in order to do so. Um, This was communicated me to me through one of her people that run one of her social media pages so she is definitely not going to be getting an interview but I have still yet to hear anything from Jason or Joe with all that out of the way here is my interview with Sam okay on the phone I have a special guest Sam Kantz. Sam um how did you come to know Dean um, I was a
2: volunteer at Riverbed Prison. I taught an assault program, and then I also started attending a Friday night service called Weeds, which was a non-denominational service, and Dean was involved with writing music, original music for that and performing it. So after several weeks of going to that, I got to know him a little bit better.
1: Okay, and um, what was your perception of Dean inside the prison?
2: Dean was always super nice to me. Um, very helpful in terms of getting me sort of acclimated to understanding what's, what was going on and how things work there. Um, of course, we were both uh, guitar players, and uh, so I think we immediately became friends when at one of the services he was warming up, but he was playing a Metallica song, and I, I asked him if it was an, which Metallica song, and that sort of that, that got the wheels rolling. Um, good sense of humor. Um, very well received by his peers who I think all, uh, who were also really impressed with his musical ability and his willingness
1: to share it. Solid guy. Um, and can you talk a little bit more about how the other inmates acted with Dean?
2: Um, now, I only got to see – Dean wasn't in my class, so I only saw him at that service and around those kind of things. Um, at Riverman, um, I thought he was very well-received and very well-respected. Um, you know, the, the service wasn't just, uh, it, it was, there's prayers, there were readings, there were discussions. Um, Dean was always, uh, you know, Dean, whenever he participated, you know, people, you know, they knew to listen to him. Um, I got to see a little bit more of Dean beyond that environment when I saw him at South Central. I don't know if you want to talk about that later, but, um, at Riverbend where I first met him, I, I, I know he was well thought of.
1: Okay, and yeah, let's talk a little bit more about his time at South Central. Uh, What can you tell us about Dean there?
2: Um, When Dean got sent to South Central, um, I wasn't on his visitor list, so we just kept corresponding through the mail, so we we wrote letters back and forth, um, you know, sharing books, talking about stuff. Uh, a lot of guitar talk, but that's you know that's a pretty good thing to talk about sometimes. Yeah. And then they started. You know, Dean was in the mental health pod, and he and a few other musicians there. And then I believe the I don't know what her title was, but she was a psychologist, psychiatrist there. They started building a music therapy program there, and they started doing concerts. And I was able to attend two of them. And the first one was just sort of astonishing. just sort of a mix of classic rock stuff. But I didn't I knew Dean was a good guitar player. I didn't know he was that good. Um, I'm a professional musician myself, and Dean is pretty dazzling. I mean, and, and these were all, he just did a wonderful job, and I think everyone was just sort of really pleased by hearing all these familiar songs played so well. But the where, where Dean really floored me was the second concert I went to. It was an 80s-themed concert, and I'm an 80s kid. So um, it was fun to hear all those songs. But what was great is he and a few of the other instructors there Um, had taught, worked with other residents in the mental health unit who had an array of, I don't know all of their problems, but you could see some people had fairly mild conditions, some people had very severe, I can't really speak more than that, it's not my field. But there was, what was really beautiful was he was helping these guys learn to play different instruments and play and perform and share it. And it was just so delightful to see people, you know, I know the joy of music, I hope everyone else knows the joy of when you you learn a skill and then can share it, and then it's well received. So to see these guys get up in front of an audience, which is pretty terrifying, have them perform, and then, you know, they'd walk off stage and Dean would be waiting with a hug or a big high five. And they, you could just see them beaming, like they had accomplished something. It was, it was, it was i don't know. It was just glorious. It, you know, it's a fairly long drive for me to get home from that, and I was just I was flying high off, just seeing how beautiful that was. That he continues to contribute back. Um, that, that program is really impressive.
1: Um, that '80s theme concert you're speaking of—that's the one they put on for the guard that had been injured, correct?
2: I believe that's right.
1: Yeah. Um, um, oh, and they also had at that same concert, I, if
2: memory serves me, I don't think it was the other one, I think it was the Eddie's concert, they also had a silent auction, and I remember Dean had a sculpture that he had put up, It was a, he had made a, a model of a dragon, uh, using just sort of like, you know, homemade art supplies, and in the silent auction, it was really amazing, a lot of people wanted that dragon, I think there were a bunch of people kept bidding on it, and every time I'd walk over to see who was next, uh, someone had to uh, bid the next one, so, he's got a lot of talent,
1: uh, that's really cool um, yeah I believe that they allowed a lot of the family members for those um, people in that pod in for that concert as well if I'm not mistaken
2: uh, when I was there for that one I met uh, I didn't meet Dean's people but I did meet the family of another person that I had been corresponding and working with uh, so that was really delightful to meet the, the parents that was, I was an unexpected perk of that visit that was really a great visit that day um, that was also the day we brought in um, in the, the year prior when we talked about the growth of the music program. When I was there, um, someone the in administration said this, we had gathered together a bunch of instruments. I put out the word among my friends or in town, whatever, and we got about four or five guitars and a couple of mandolins and a bunch of strings and cables and all that other good stuff. And we got that donated. And when we did that, uh, someone in administration said that's great, but we need banjos. Um, and I put the word out again, and then I had friends from all over the book donating money in banjos or whatever. We were able to get five banjos into the program, so I know there are... If there's banjo music, it's the central, Chances are we had something to do with it.
1: Well, that's awesome. Uh, we need more programs like that for people that are incarcerated. Um, we need to do a lot better working with people to get them to a more productive place in society. I like that thinking. Um. Is there anything else that you can tell us about Dean that you would like to share with everybody?
2: Um, I've never heard anyone in that world say a bad thing about Dean. Um, he's just, he's well-respected. He's a compassionate, kind person. Um, I know when he checks in on me, he's always asking to make sure I'm okay and things are going all right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm really grateful that I've gotten to know him a little bit, and uh, I hope he comes home.
1: Well, I appreciate your time, uh, Sam. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. You bet.
2: Thanks so much.
1: The short clip of music you just heard was Dean and other inmates from inside the prison. I was sent several emails by another former inmate that contained audio files of music, and I have to say it's quite impressive. I thought I would share a little bit of it with you. Before we conclude today's episode, I have our other interview with Ernest Dodd, and here it is now. Okay, guys, on the phone today, I have a special guest. His name is Ernest, and he spent some time with Dean, and he has called in and agreed to talk to us today. Ernest, can you tell us how you got to know Dean, what prison you were in, and stuff like that with him? Uh, I got to know Dean from South Central Correctional Facility
0: uh, back in 2013, I believe it was.
1: Okay, and uh, what were you locked up for? Manufacturing meth. Okay, and uh, how many years did you spend with Dean? Uh, I think it was three. Three? Okay, and um, can you talk to us a little bit about Dean and how he was in prison? Uh,
0: to me, Dean is one of the greatest horses I've ever met. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Dean, When I met Dean... Made him do, uh, like I said, in the in the E inter- pod. But I had seen him a couple times in church before I got moved to that pod. And uh, Dean and uh, a couple other guys went in together and uh, bought me a TV and some uh, shoes and uh, you know things that would help me through prison to sell them or trade them or nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, but the more I got to talk to Dean, uh, he, he's a real caring person, and I brought some things, uh, you know, little notes and stuff, home with me from prison that, you know, that meant a lot to me that I'd be having a bad day. Dean would write, write it down, and we would dish it from door to door when we was on lockdown because Dean knew that I had a problem with men i didn't like men because i've been raped when i was a kid and stuff so they knew that i didn't like being confined in a room with a, a man and not being able to get out so he just sent little notes and stuff over to tell me to stay strong and to just to help me out pick me up uh when i found out the church in there before it really surprised me because He had been in there for uh drugs or something like that and the reason i say drugs is because dean didn't look like a violent person he didn't act like a violent person he didn't talk to people like a violent person nor did he it's just kind of shocking to see or find out the charge people that helped work for the counselors like he was he was Miss Bloodgood he was Miss Benson's worker so Miss Bloodgood had hers and then Miss Tina had hers and then another counselor that had hers and if you watch the other counselor helpers their work was from 8 to 3.30 Dean always took kids a little extra and when he got off of work he would you know, still go around and talk to people in the pod or, you know, see what's going on, help them out. It just amazed me, really, really shocked me of uh, what he was charged with. Uh, you know, my son got beat up and stuff. And I should have went to Dean and talked to him. Instead, I done a stupid little thing. And then when Dean found out, he was like, But why didn't you come and talk to me? You know that I would listen and you know that I would help you through this. And it, it amazes me that Dean is even charged with this or in prison over this. Uh, you know, everybody says something about a second chance. If there was one person in this world I could reach out and give a second chance to that would be dean mulligan so, i mean that's from the top to the bottom of my heart right there uh you don't know how good of a person dean is and uh I, you know if dean got out today i would i got a three-year-old daughter i'd trust him 110 with my three-year-old daughter uh, nothing happened to her or nothing like that i trust him with my life her a little strange considering the charge and everything, but uh, Dean Mulligans is a real
1: good person. Great person. I've got that same story from so many different people that it amazes me. Um, I've also heard stories of the guards actually getting Dean out of his cell at night to go talk to other people. Um, Are you familiar with that? They've been
0: happened a lot at South Central would be uh, first time I went into the enterprise uh, pod I think like the third day I was in there we went on like a month and a half two month lockdown because of some stuff that happened and the counselors actually got beaten out to men but dean seemed to help me work through that and show me that hey everybody's not the same and you can trust people you just gotta learn the people to trust and your guards up just because what happened to you when you was a kid don't mean this is going to happen to you in a cell so i know that we're not supposed to talk about what happened in the prison and stuff but this little you know when i was locked In this cell for so many months, I had a claustrophobic of, because it wasn't letting us get a shower at the time because it was real bad. And I had this claustrophobic of taking a bird bath in the cell. You know, you're in there with another guy and you have to. And I told the guards, hey, um, y'all, I I can't handle this. This is, you know, and my cellie says, hey, you've got to take a shower, a bird bath. And One day, there stood Dean at the door and just talked and tried to soothe some of the things over, and I actually wound up taking a bird bath that day because, you know, like I said, Dean, Dean was a real special, he is a special person to me today, and I'd be on his visitation list if he'd let me go to the prison and visit him. You know, they let him come to the cell, talk to me. There was a, uh, there was like five or six people that had, you know, their own things that they dealt with, and they let them come and talk to them at doors and stuff like that. Uh, they wouldn't let us out of the cell for the simple fact we was on lockdown, but they did him because he was, he was there to help, and found this little note that Dean wrote. never be ashamed of a scar it simply means you were stronger than the whatever that hurt you and that's one of the things i've got in my bible here and i've kept my bible because we was on lockdown and it was uh, it was just a bad time for me being on lockdown and stuff
1: That concludes today's episode. The number of former inmates and staff that support Dean is nothing short of remarkable to me. We allow monsters out on the streets every day. Just take a moment to find all the sex offenders living in your county. If prison is truly meant to be about rehabilitation, then you would be hard pressed to find a more deserving candidate for release than Dean Mullins.